the Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. We have a fine assortment of hot takes and bad predictions for you to sample this evening. On today's menu, the Cowboys. Today's special is the Cowboys. So you'll be having the Cowboys? Fine selection, sir. And now, here's your head chef. Um, he's not really a chef. Well, Trey Blanco. And his faithful busboy, Daniel Davidson. Young Lou in the building. What's up, y'all? I'm producing. I'm here to produce. <laughs> what do you say y'all? that you do here? What is it that you do after uh, four weeks nothing. of being absent or five weeks? I, I think absent. that proves how inconsequential I am to this program. Uh, Best job in America. <laughs> I'm over here hosting, producing, doing. I'm like, oh man, you just edit and put in the pot on 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 all the networks, and so. I guess you know. I guess you're a key part of the of the task. Yeah, Good job. Yeah. You, you see this whole, this whole setup. Hey, hey, this whole setup. Yeah, that's mine, bro. You better. You might want to chill. Say good job. You're right. It is your network, so I, I got to be a little nicer. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, it's your boy Ed White, aka Trey Blanco, with Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. We're yes, breaking down the X's and O's of Cowboys football. Got the shoe stuff. Daniel with me. Say hello to the people, Daniel. What it do, baby? And yes, Julian is on a hiatus this week, so we'll be expecting him back pretty soon. But in his stay, Dr. Lewis, not our boy, boy, is with us today. How you doing, Derek? Oh, do you actually want me to talk and stuff? You actually want me you like give opinions? You could talk. I don't oh, know okay. about your opinions. Oh, okay. Well, so you, right, you can say hello. All right, hello. It's, Goodbye. This is our this is our charity work for the year. Yeah, and then be <sighs> prepared. Give me a little some some. Then I'll let you do the plug at the end of the show, but in the meantime, you know. <laughs> then I'll let you do the plug at the end. There's a chat, and, you know, you got to preface all your little comments before you start Don't say talking. we never gave you nothing, all right? <laughs> you hear me? All right, now. <laughs> but anyway, hey, we're in a good mood, as always. One thing, one thing, one thing. Y'all, y'all, hey, lucky, man, y'all, There's y'all, a chat. lucky I'm Y'all lucky I'm a nice man, because this is this is me. <laughs> that was very me what y'all did to me. <laughs> y'all lucky I'm a, I'm not a petty person. <laughs> what you mean? Hey, hey Daddy, we act like we ain't just a part of his his network that he created. <laughs> like that. Man, details, details, man. <laughs> anyway, hey Dr, it's all in love, man. Yo, we're brothers, man. We're just brothers from different mothers. That's all it's all about. Anyway, um, Cowboys. Three-game winning streak, y'all. We them boys. We them boys. Cooper Rush is the first Cowboy starter to go 4-0 in Cowboy history, and he continues on his hot streak. Um, Let's talk about these stats. As always, we're going to give you the stats. Uh, The Cowboys – I'm sorry. Let's start with the uh, Washington Commanders. That still sounds weird, Daniel. Like, when I was watching the game, I still wanted to What was more weird was their jerseys. Trying to look at the Steelers out there. I don't know. Bro, they could look lit, though. I mean, I they, watching, they, they look good, but, I like, but like somebody already has that color scheme, bro. I'm sorry. It's oh, yeah. You know, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Did. That's why I saw him. I was like, mm, those would be perfect for Pittsburgh. They, sh- they should have done a red, the dark red thing with the black. But hey, oh, I would have bought that jersey. 
Yeah, I would Micah, speaking of that, Micah on the sound, uh, sounds of the sideline with the Cowboys, he said, hey, we should do that with some royal blue. I was like, that would be pretty lit. Too. Yeah. <laughs> pretty lit some too. actual alternate unis. <laughs> yeah, for real. Anyway, so let's, let's get back to the show. Get back to the show. So the commanders went out there uh, with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz threw the ball 42 times with 25 completions for 170 yards, one touchdown, and two INTs. Um, the runners, the running game kind of was decent for the commanders. You know, Antonio Gibson went for 13 carries, 49 yards. Uh, Jay Williams, I don't, uh, can't remember his first name, but he went for five carries and 48 yards. And J.D. McKissick went for eight carries and 40 yards. The and receiving John, group. Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams, yeah, the kid. He's a rookie, yeah. Good. We had a good, some good breakout plays. Yeah. Um, the receiving core for the commanders, uh, the other rookie, Dawson, uh, he went for three receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Curtis Samuel, four receptions, 38 yards. Uh, Logan Thomas, five receptions, 19. Uh, I'm assuming Jay Bates, another young tight end, uh, four receptions, 19 yards. Uh, Terry McLaurin, there's the number one receiver, two receptions, 15 yards. And by the way, he had eight targets. So (laughs) one of them was against Michael Parsons. I had him on one of my fancy teams, too. Good Lord. Well, I hope he has the same output against you this week for you because I'm, I'm up against you now. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about their defense. Um, Jonathan Allen, man, he was a dog this game. and We'll, we'll talk about that too. But uh, yeah. at eight tackles total, uh, five solo for one sack. Um, he was their leading tackler. The second leading tackler was their safety curl for seven tackles. And then Dewan Payne also had a dog game too, but uh, didn't show up on the stats pretty much, but he had five tackles as well. Um, so that's for the commanders. Let's go to the boys. Let's see. All right. Cooper Rush threw the ball 27 times, 15 completions, 20, 223 yards and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Zeke, uh, 90 carries and 49 yards. Um, and then Tony Pollard came in for eight carries and six yards. Um, C.D. Lamb, six receptions, 97 yards and one touchdown. Noah Brown, three receptions, 61 yards. Zeke Elliott, two for 32. Michael Gallup in his game back, two receptions, 24 yards and one touchdown. Um, and that's pretty much it. Um, for the defensive side, our leading tackler, Dono, Donovan Wilson, nine tackles, eight solo. <laughs> That man is balling out in the absence of. Uh, He's like he doesn't want to go back. Jerron Curse. Yeah, he is playing like that. And so, and then um, Malik Hooker and Leighton Vanderish came in second for tied for second with eight tackles. Israel Mukum. That's boy. Mukum. Had six tackles as well. Uh, Michael Parsons did not get a sack this game, but he came up with four tackles. Um, I'm trying to get to what I want to get to. Here we go. Neville Gallimore, in the absence of um, big old Quinton Bohanna going down uh-huh. early on the game, he picked himself up a sack. Um, Dante Fowler, our offseason pickup, our old man, as Rusher picked up a sack as well. And a rookie, Dewan Bland, stepping in for the injured Jordan Lewis at game time on game day, picked himself up an interception and three tackles. Had a very good showing as a rookie. And then our boy, man, that boy, that bad man on the outside, Trayvon Diggs. <laughs> they counted. He had four deflections that game and one interception. Could have had at least two or three interceptions that game, but just straight up honest with you. But he had one interception. That's the only stat he shows up that shows up like on the stat board as far as like he has no tackles, 
no anything, but zero catches on the man, but one interception. One interception. <laughs> that's why you got to watch the game, though, man, because those pass breakups, like you've seen spectacular catches, now you've seen spectacular pass breakups, bro. That was impressive. Yeah. So there's another, there's a fun stat with Trayvon Diggs. His rookie year, he had 14 pass breakups. Last year, he had 22 pass breakups, which is a lot if you think about it. This year, currently, in week going to week five, this man has nine pass breakups. Nine of them in week five. I don't know why this man's not considered a top 10 cornerback in the league. So, <laughs> so. Well, I, I think he's trying to prove a lot of people wrong, though, man, because, you know, before it's like it, he does nothing but cheat and get interceptions, but now it's like, hey, I can actually just play solid, lock up corner, lock your dude down. <laughs> he's yeah, been doing he's that playing, for four weeks. He's playing two He's playing two phases in the court. He's playing out of phase. If you listen to Jalen Ramsey, like the out of phase corner position, he's also playing mm-hmm. in phase. So he's switching it up, and he's switching it up very well, man. So, like, the development of this of his talent, of his skill set is crazy. And when you think about it, coming out of Alabama, he's only played cornerback for five total years. Mm-hmm. Two years at Alabama and three years in the NFL. And he still has, what, two or three years left on his contract. Trayvon Diggs is barely tipping the iceberg of his talent, man. So that's what I'm excited for. So, like, we still got a lot of Trayvon to see. Um, total stats before, I mean, I continue to just drool over the Cowboys. Um, 297 yards total for the Commanders, 279 for the Cowboys. 155 passing versus 217. 142 rushing versus 62. Uh, third down efficiency. We did not go for it on fourth down because we really didn't have to. Um, penalty yards, four penalties for 20 yards for the Cowboys, 11 for 136 for the Commanders. And huge. we still – we yeah, huge, huge, huge. And um, we did lose the time of possession, 33 minutes to 27 minutes. Basically, I didn't go down to the seconds. Um, so, yes, we drooled over Trayvon Diggs. Um, for, I kind of know – I think I have an idea what you want to talk about. But I just want to talk about the fact that, hey, this defense – my God, I'm not a, I'm not scared of nobody going right now. Like I'm not scared of the Rams, which we'll talk about. I'm not scared of the Eagles. I'm not scared of the Packers. Boy, I'm not scared of the Titans. Half those teams are kind of like piss poor anyways right now, but exactly. Like if you look at the schedule, half of our schedule is like piss poor because you play the Giants again. Minnesota's not that good. Got Detroit, Chicago, Indianapolis is not like doing well. And then the Texans in Jacksonville. Like, but other than that, I'm not scared of nobody with this defense, man. This defense going into the th- top three scoring defenses going into this week. But I'm t- like this defense, and I think we said it when Dak went down. Where this team will go as far as a defense carries us while Dak is out, and this defense is actually carrying us to definitely carrying us to wins. And we'll talk about a little bit of detail uh, more a little bit later. I always just want to get your initial reaction before I continue to drool over the defense, but that's going to be my topic. Our first topic is the defense. Okay. Yeah. Before we get to that though, um, the first thing that comes to mind for this game though, is we kind of, I think we stuck to the game plan. You know, I think this is now a textbook Cowboys win for this season, which is run the ball early, run the ball often and play a smash mouth physical game. So even the fact that, and, you know, hats off, like you were saying, to the commanders, D-line, that they were out there. They were just dogs there in that game, man. It was hard to get any, anything on there. And it kind of showed what the output, you know, because he only got 49. Tony Pollard had six yards. But even with us struggling to actually get a ton of yards on the ground, we still ran the ball for, I think, almost 30 times in this game. And that goes to show you that yep. we're going back into the well of, well, we're going to run just to set up our pass. We're going to run to get into second and medium or second and manageable. Same thing for third down as well. And that pays off for Cooper Rush because that's what he does very well is 
he's probably not going to want to throw the ball, you know, 50 times a game. But, you know, get him a few key possessions here or there, and he's accurate enough, and, you know, he, he can uh, stay in the pocket long enough to actually make some plays happen. And we saw that, you know, time and time again throughout this game. You know, we have big plays, Sue C.D. Lamb, with him breaking people off. Again, kudos to him, turning more and more into Batman, more and more into Christian Bale as we go on. Um, Noah Brown had another big catch. Uh, even Zeke had a really big catch and run as well. So I just really like how we're looking right now in terms of our offensive game plan and the scheme and the fact that we're actually all being consistent now. It didn't seem like we we're actually trying to get too flashy. I hope it doesn't change when Dak comes back because, again, Dak can do a lot more stuff than Cooper Rush can. I think sometimes Kellen Moore kind of gets, you know, just – pie in the sky type of thing. Let me try all this stuff with Dak Prescott because he has a bigger arm and, and, and can make bigger plays. But I think this is kind of the formula for us going forward, not open for this season, but maybe for the next seasons as well, is that kind of keep building that running game, the O-line, and, you know, just make it easier on your quarterback because there's no reason to just step, you know, just drop back and just throw it, you know, over and over and over again when there's other things you can do to confuse the defense and, you know, make it easier on your quarterback. Because on the Opposite side, we have, you know, Carson Wentz, who threw the, the ball 42 times for 170 yards. That is a crazy stat. 42 attempts of only 170 yards. So that gives credence, again, like you said, to our secondary, playing lights out, the pass rush, you know, speeding them up. But also the fact that, you know, if, if you really don't have a consistent run game going and you throw so many times, it's kind of, it's going to, you know, lead you to more situations where bad things could happen. Now, one thing I will note, and I'm sure we'll get into this right after uh, my update for this, is that for our defense, there was still some times where we looked a little bit shaky against the run. Now, it wasn't like a down-by-down -down basis or even a drive-by-drive basis, but, you know, we had a few pop here or there um, that kind of inflated their stats a little bit. But that's still something of concern, I think, for the defense is that we haven't kept that short enough to where we can just lock down someone for an entire game where we can definitely do that in, when it comes to the passing game. So that's something to, to watch as well. But... Yeah, man, just all overall, though, I think it was a very good game for us, especially on the defensive end. Um, the fact that, again, Michael Parsons was held without a sack, but as great players do, find a way to impact the game if you're not just patting your own stats, which he does time in and time out. And once again, everybody else is feasting off of him, you know, drawing so, so much coverage and so much attention. So um, also the fact that he doesn't really complain about not having stats either. He's just like, hey, I'm out here to win you know, play hard and he never takes a playoff too. And I think that kind of feeds into everybody else on there. It's like, yeah, he pretty much is one of the best players in the league right now. And he doesn't really care about his stats. He just wants to go out there. He's going to, you know, give 110%. So I'll give the same as well. And because he's out there, I'm going to be able to pad my stats. And it seems everybody's feasting off of that. And you know, the secondary loves that too, because we have a lot of talent back there. But the fact that you can't sit back there for, you know, two to three seconds, four seconds, you know, sitting there patting the ball. I think it emboldens their secondary definitely to, you know, get up there and be more physical and make some plays on the ball too. And then, of course, we have our boy Brett Maher. You know, we were kind of wishy-washy about him coming to, coming to the season, but we do have struggles in the red zone, and he's coming through time and time again, even outside the red zone. I think he had like a 50-plus yarder in this game too. So he's been very consistent so far. So I think that's been a big boom for us as well. Um, us being able to at least get some points out of a lot of these drives or are able to have us kind of slowly but surely – form a lead and pull away from these teams because our defense is so dominant that if we're scoring at least three points every time we're going we get the ball then at some point in time we're going to break through for one touchdown and when that happens usually about that time the game is all sewn up at that end so I just think right now the team is working really well all together like all three phases uh, for the team so that's something that you love to see and I think it's all predicated on us actually having identity and sticking to it and of course having a pretty elite defense that we can fall back on as well. 
Yeah, man. And this is why I appreciate you so much, Daniel, because you brought up the fact of, because uh, you mentioned Cullen Moore and his game plan and the consistency of this current game plan. Granted, the uh, the running game really wasn't working, but we still had the threat of the run game throughout the entire game. Like, Kellen Moore didn't run away from it. And so, um, Kellen Moore in this post-game had a, had a post-game conference, I believe, earlier this week. And uh, what he was quoted, I'm paraphrasing, what the question was, like, hey, how did you feel about the development of the game plan this last week? Um, he was like, well, I wanted to throw it was hard for me not to throw the ball the entire game, but I know. And he said that jokingly, but I believe him. Like, I yeah. believe it was hard for him not to throw the ball the entire game. And so this is where I like the development of Kellen Moore, where I want to give kudos to Mike McCarthy too. Like, I really feel like Mike McCarthy sat Kellen Moore down. Like, yo, this, we got, we got to change this shit up. <laughs> like, you're going to get me fired, homie. You got to chill. <laughs> He's like, hey, that Tampa Bay game plan ain't going to work. Like, this is what we need to work with this. We still need to run the ball. You still got to feed. And, like, granted, Zeke had 49 yards, right, on 19 carries. But that's, like, Dewan, like we said, Jonathan Allen, Dewan Payne was, like, killed. Like, Zach Martin, Tyler Biotish, uh, Connor McGovern, uh, Jason Peters. No one could block those, mm. <laughs> those two guys. <laughs> like, it was impressive, honestly, to watch. It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, but, like, but still, we still had the threat of the ground game which made the play action work, which made everything else go into par. Uh, Connor Rush uh, only threw the ball 27 times, 28, 27 times. That's the game we need, even yeah. if Dak comes back. Dak only needs to throw the ball 27, 28 times. Now, granted, I've said before, there's some passes that Connor misses that Dak definitely will hit. But, yes, like, that's, that's fine. But I think, like, overall, like, we are a balanced offensive team. And that's what we need going forward is a great balance of the offensive team. Now, um, you is there anything else you want to say on Kellen Moore's development at, from these first four games, especially going into – we'll talk about a little bit more about the Rams kept going up against a better defense. But, like, how do you feel about Kellen Moore's development in play calling compared to last year and especially compared to t uh, week one this week? these past three weeks yeah i mean i think there's a few different things that's kind of causing this um you know first and foremost he's he came in he's a really young guy so you know he had a lot of success early on but i think now he's kind of getting more mature and kind of seeing how things are working so he's kind of adjusting it it appears you know to his personnel which is what you want from a quality offensive coordinator so again kudos to him for that and also i think he kind of had to change as well when we kind of lost so many so many weapons that he had to kind of look around and be like okay well before if I threw it, you know, 50 times a game, people would be like, yo, of course, you got to feed, you know, C.D. Lamb, you got to feed uh, Amari Cooper, you got to feed, you know, all the people we have out there, Michael Gallup. But now that, you know, starting early on, it was just C.D. really out there, and that was about it. Now it's more like, okay, well, if I throw it still 50 times, and I can't throw it to, to C.D. Lamb 50, 50 times, so I have to either spread it out to other people that I really don't trust or, you know, go back to the running backs that we have that, you know, people have said that for sure Tony Pollard is a big big playability. Zeke is still that, you know, that foundation in terms of the running game. So I think a combination of those two, him getting a little more, more mature and having to adapt without having so many fancy toys to play with has forced him to kind of try something different. And I think now he sees it's actually working that again, the backup quarterback is doing so well with the same offense with him kind of just toning it down a little bit. And he's kind of like, okay, well, I mean, if it works for him, then, you know, when Dak comes back, Hopefully, I'm, I hope this is a line of thinking. Then, yeah, I could get the same thing going because, yep. he, yes, he's not getting as many attempts to pass, but like you said, Dak can make those more difficult throws. He has the bigger arm. Um, we can maybe go take a few more deep shots here or there with Dak out there. So, 
I think it's good for him. And again, it's something that happens over time. It doesn't happen for every coach, though. Some coaches are really stubborn. Some kind of feel like their way, the highway type of thing. But it seems to him that he's one that's kind of learning from his past mistakes, learning from the criticism. He's went back and probably self-scouted. And now he's trying something new. And, you know, like a lot of things, it's like, hey, if, it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So he's kind of seeing that if it's working, I'm going to keep doing it until they stop mm-hmm. it and I'll try something else. And that's really a big part of, you know, play calling and kind of even strategizing is, yeah, if they can't stop what you're doing, then why, you know, switch it up and, you know, go into something that they maybe can't stop. Keep it going until they can adjust to you. And if they can't adjust, then you have that advantage over them going forward. Yep. And I mean, Dan Quinn possibly could have played a part, like, as a scheming aspect, too. It's like, hey, how am I going to beat Kellen Moore with his game plan currently? You know what I'm saying? So that could have been a part of it. Um, and then we, this, we're going to transition over to the defense. And you mentioned something in your uh, reaction to the game and your thoughts is like the run game, where, like, we saw. We saw each of the running backs break off for like a 10, 15 yard carry. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw each of that. And so people, and like my only, and I had to watch the game. I had to watch multiple, I had to watch, like I watched this game again and I watched the other two games again where um, Saquon broke loose. And then um, I watched the Cincinnati game and I rewatched you know, um, Leonard Fournette's game. And so Leonard Fournette's game is really like the only game where the run definitely killed us. Mm-hmm. The running did not kill us this game, and it didn't kill us against the uh, Giants, and it didn't kill us against – our best run game defense was against the Bengals, actually. But yeah. um, like people are really saying a lot of stuff about our run defense. My counter to that is they're not scoring. They're not mm-hmm. scoring. So, like, hey, they could – I don't – hey, if we get another Leonard Fournette, like, combined, those three guys got over 100 yards rushing, combined. Outside of that, they all were let, held under fifty, and they all each had one break loose. So, like, there's there's a give and a take. Like, you still got to give, like, hey, we've got some holes we got to fix with the run game, but we also got to give credit to the fact they're not scoring, they're not scoring a touchdown. And so, like, the tack and the tackling aspect on that aspect, and then um, when you talk about the defense as a whole, the passers, I'll get you. Oh, go ahead before I get to my next up because I'm about to change it. Go ahead and comment real quick on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, a concern people are having is similar to last year is that we're doing very well against the teams that either are not playoff caliber teams or kind of are on the on the on the fence about that. Now, Tampa is definitely a playoff team, and then of course they're more of a complete team, and they were able to gash us, you know, throughout the entire game or move consistently on the run game. So I think the concern is we haven't really seen it yet against another team of that caliber how we hold up against the run. And the fact that it seems like every once in a while we're having these these you know, these busts or these leaks that cause these these big plays and such, it's like okay, is that more like a fluke one off, or is it okay? Well, it can be exploited against maybe a more quality team that we're playing against. <laughs> so that's why for me, I'm not saying for it's like years past to where it's like a you know a big red flag about oh okay yeah this is definitely a big issue where we can't stop anybody, but something that I've noticed that you know with and it may be because we're so dominant against the pass that maybe stands out a little bit more than usual, but. That right. seems to be maybe if we had to find out one weakness for the defense, I think first and foremost would be that run defense um, because we really haven't added too much in terms of stopping that, but they have play, played the run defense a lot better this year than in years past. So that's something I want to monitor and kind of see how that goes and progresses because if it is to where against these playoff teams that they can run against us efficient, uh, effectively and we're still having a hard time in terms of converting in the red zone like we are doing, then that might come up and be a problem against us you know, later on down the road because – Good. How it's been so far is that, you know, either we'll drive down the field on offense and get a field goal or 
will score early and not really score a lot in the middle and then score again at the end to kind of put it away. Whereas if a team can consistently run, then they themselves will also be getting those, you know, three points, three points, maybe one touchdown here. And that may, you know, ultimately cost us a few games or something going forward. But again, it's, it's not something I'll say is a glaring weakness, but it's something that I still want to monitor and kind of see how that plays out. And hopefully we, we sure that up and get better as, as uh, the season goes on. Right. Absolutely. Like we still, like I said all that to say, like we still got to give them credit to what they still do as a defense as a whole, but yes, yes, the run defense definitely needs to be, isn't it's an issue on our defense currently. And like, it may not be a red flag, like you said, but if you're looking at it, like it's one of those yellow, like we're not, we're just right there medium par type of thing. And we're still like, we're ranked, I believe in 21st or 20th in the run defense. Like that's still a resp, like a, like you said, a red flag or a mark on our defensive side. Uh, but going into that a little bit deeper, like this, the front four pass rushing, like mm-hmm. what I noticed with the, the commanders and what I noticed with the giants, like, and then there's a, like there, there was a stat showing that the QBs that we played against are getting the ball out quicker in like, gets us like they're trying to get the ball out quick like 1.23 seconds out real quick and you looked at the game at the calls that the commanders were calling a lot of screens a lot of short passes a lot of quick passes right and that resulted in second and one thing to get credit for our defense tackling like i said this last week the receivers are catching the ball, but there's not getting yak yardage there's not enough there's not a lot of yak going on after a pass right after a catch so that's a good thing because they're getting put in second and eight, third and six, like getting long distance situations where they have to step back and hold the ball longer to try to get the first down where our pass rush now can get pressure on Carson Wentz or for example, the quarterback. And you saw it a lot against Carson Wentz where, Hey, he, when he held the ball longer than two seconds, he's either getting a sack, he's getting pressured and it's an incompletion or and then resulting in an intercession by Trayvon Diggs or an intercession by Dewan Bland. Mm. And like that's where our defense is really where I believe Dan Quinn has taken this defense to the next level. He's like he's forcing teams to play for him type of situation. Like he's like, hey, my my plus is like I got safeties that can tackle and I have cornerbacks that can tackle. And but it, I'm okay with sending people at you because I have my safeties and cornerbacks don't get the tackle when necessary. And you saw it with Donovan Wilson, saw Malik Hooker with some big tackles. And when J. Ron Curse comes back, he's a big tackler too. And so like we have packages where we have three safeties out there on defense with J. Ron Curse, uh, Donovan Wilson, and Malik Hooker. Like mm. that's a scary lineup. <laughs> that's really scary. And then our in-game pass rush with a uh, uh Dorrance Armstrong. Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, and Dante Fowler, or Sam D. Williams, or anybody else you want to put in there, is a scary pass rush. And so, like, that's where I say, like, this defense, this is why they're ranked number three in scoring defense, because they allow, they put you in situations to not be successful, and they let their key players, they put themselves in a situation where the key players can shine. They push you in a situation where you're going to try to t- throw the ball off the top against Trayvon Diggs, and Trayvon Diggs is man-to-man coverage, and Trayvon Diggs in a man-to-man coverage, I take that bet all day, like all day, especially on deep route, because Trayvon Diggs will run the route better than your right receiver. Mm-hmm. Like that's how much, that's how confident that Dan Quinn is in the defense. And so, um, 
that's what I'm really excited about this team. That's why I say I'm not afraid to go up against anybody in this offense, especially a Matthew Stafford who loves throwing interceptions. <laughs> so like, I'm not afraid about that. I'm not afraid with this. Like this defense can carry us so far with Dak being hurt. And all Cooper Rush has to do and Kellen Moore has to do is stick to the simple game plan and like score at least once. Score one touchdown. Like field goals work for us right now. Get a touchdown. Hopefully get two touchdowns. But if you get touchdown, three field goals, I believe we can win the game because our defense really hasn't let nobody. There's only been one, two, three touchdowns scored on this defense so far. Uh, if I made it in my math correct off the top of my head, only three touchdowns on the defense so far in four games. That's a that's a dub in my opinion. Four touchdowns. I'm sorry because uh, Cincinnati scored four touchdowns. Four games, four touchdowns. That's a dub. That's yeah, a I mean, it's definitely. Um, I guess it's more like the new age of the defense because nowadays all offenses are pretty much built to throw the ball around multiple times, go deep. Um, they put it all in the quarterback's hand. So at that point in time, if you have a dominant pass defense, then, and like you said, the majority of games, you're going to have the advantage or going to be in every single game because you're kind of built to counter what they really do on offense. Now, there are still a few teams that, you know, are pretty dominant in the run, but they're few and far between. So for right. the majority of the schedule, it's going to keep you in the game. And if you can at least get something from your offense to actually score consistently, either that being field goals or touchdowns, even those run-dominant teams, you'll be able to stay in the game with them and be competitive. So I, I agree with what you're saying, that it seems going forward that we're based on the defense alone, we should have a shot in every single game that we have. Now, it will still at some point fall in the offense. I think eventually that at some point they're going to need to score some points consistently, right. especially when it comes to the red zone, um, because that's something that we're struggling with quite a bit now in regards to kind of getting down there and either, you know, penalties or it gets bogged down and have to take the three. So if you want to get to the, I think the team that we want to be to actually, you know, make some noise and maybe make a run here or there, we need to start converting some of those when we actually get that far down the field. But the fact that we're able to drive it and do have consistent drives and those long drives, I think, again, is a credence to the offense itself. And also, you know, the defense giving a short field sometimes too and making sure that, you know, the offense has the ball quite a bit of time to get in a rhythm going forward. But yeah, man, I mean, I know we're all skeptical going forward, but it seems like, you know, Dan Quinn has his defense kind of humming exactly the way he wants it to. Very athletic, um, that pass rush, athleticism all the way in the secondary. Um, the linebacking core, I think, really got a shot in the arm from Anthony Barr because that allows him to be even more creative when it comes to the blitzes. I think he's figured out a way to, you know, combat the fact that we're not that deep at linebacker by saying, okay, well, I'm just going to keep sending them on blitzes from, from different directions. So at that point, you can't really key in and try to isolate them on a tight end or a receiver because they're coming out to your quarterback. And we've seen that quite a few yeah. times with Anthony Barr just, you know, blitzing up the A-gap and, you know, making a lot of, making a lot of disruption. And he's also pretty good at, in pass coverage as well. But I think the fact that now is like you can send the pressure from almost anywhere, secondary, linebackers, anything like that, that is hard to game plan against it and for a quarterback to get comfortable back there, you know, especially when it becomes second and long, third and long. At that point in time, I'm sure – I feel, I think probably most Cowboys fans feel when we get them into third and long, second and long, it's like, okay, this is going to be a part of a win, for, a win for the defense mm -hmm. because this is really what we do best. Um, those, short, those short down yardage is kind of a coin toss if we're going to stop them or not. But that's yeah. not too bad, I think, in terms of us, in terms of the uh, – for the run defense. But – you still want to see us progress. Um, again, we have a lot of young guys on the D-line too, which is probably good because then they can develop as the season goes on. Um, hopefully we have them just kind of bow up and, you know, of course, Quentin Bohannon getting back in there. He's starting to show out as well. Um, so we do have some talent on there that hopefully can eventually turn into that stout run defense that could go along with this amazing pass defense too. 
Yeah, Quentin Bohan, Bohanna was having a game until he got hurt against uh, uh, Zach Barnett's little brother, man. <laughs> like, Zach <laughs> Barnett was struggling against Quentin Bohanna, bro. <laughs> and so, and I, and so, and, um, I haven't, I don't, I don't have the, uh, NFL, uh, subscription for the NFL All 22, where you can look at the coaches' angles and all that. And mm-hmm. So I'm really, I'm going to get it soon because I really want to see like the coaches' angles and the coaches' film for these plays, and you can see everybody, everything else. You can see the whole development of the defense, even on the offensive side too. So like once we, once I get that, I'll share it with you guys so we can really talk a little bit more deeper into this game aspect of it. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the offensive line real quick. And so we joked about the struggles that our interior offensive line had against Dewan, um, Jonathan, Jonathan Allen, Dewan, uh, I keep want to say Dewan Payne, but his name, uh, Payne. Am I saying his, yeah. Okay. All Dewan right. Payne. All right. I am saying his name right. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, like Jason Peters struggled, Connor McGovern struggled, right. And Zach Barton went down for two games and Matt Foranek had to play his position where I was really scared about that too. But, you know, we, we survived. <laughs> so mm-hmm. even Tyler Biotis struggled. So when does this left guard carousel and um, the play count, uh, Jason Peters had 25 plays and um, minus, so 25 minus 61. That's the other plays that uh, Connor McGovern had at left guard. So when does the carousel at left guard, only at left guard, because I don't think they're going to move Tyler Smith. Like Tyler Smith really um, made a staple at left tackle. Like that man is balling out. Um, But when does this carousel stop? Um, cause I believe it needs to stop pretty soon. Like, I feel like it needs to stop when the time frame that that comes back, like we need to figure out who's our starting left guard. So like who, and so, so basically who will be your favorite to be your starting left guard? And when does this, um, stop this carousel? I think long-term is def- definitely Jason Peters. You can kind of tell the fact that, I mean, he's a backup and he's still kind of getting rotated in, um, you know, with, with the ones is the fact that they're trying to get him, you know, some more reps. Um, get him his conditioning back up so yes, he can manage to actually go the entire game, you know, starting. So I think it's only a matter of time before he, he takes over that position and owns it as his own because he does give us an extra aspect of the power run game when he's in there. Um, and he's also, I guess, a better quality pa- uh, pass blocker as well. So I think for us, that's probably just going to be the thing. Un- unless, you know, somehow Tyron Smith comes back, then, of course, this is going to be some more shuffling going on. But from what I'm assuming right now, it's going to be Jason Peters at some point in time taking hold of a string of hold of that guard position and kind of never looking back. Um, what that says for the future of the O-line, I'm not so sure because, again, right. he's, you know, he's about four years old. But for right now, I think he kind of gives us the best chance of actually fielding, you know, a competent offensive line and being able to do what we do currently for our, our offenses, you know, try to ground and pound and hopefully bust a few holes open for, for Zeke and Tony Pollard. So, I think it's only a matter of time before you see him as the for sure starter going forward. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I agree, agree with you. Jason Peters needs to be the, is going to be the long-term fix for this season. Um, Cause Jason Peters actually brings up a different aspect as far as a run game. Like when Jason Peters is playing left guard, Tyler Smith is pulling. And so, like, mm-hmm. and we see what happens if Tyler Smith is in front of, <laughs> in front of a runner, like it's a mm-hmm. bulldozer coming through. So like that brings up a different aspect of the run game too. So like, uh, cause then, uh, Jason Peters kind of goes to his left tackle mindset. So, yeah, I do believe Jason Peters needs to get that call. I hope it's against the Rams because the way Jonathan Allen beat the mess out of Conor McGovern, Donald, Aaron Donald's going to do some damage against Conor McGovern. Yeah, I <laughs> <Some> mean. Sweet <laughs> to that. And so we'll transition a little bit. We'll transition now into our Rams matchup because, um, uh, like, 
they have Aaron Donald, the greatest defensive player, quote unquote, of all time, arguably mm-hmm. of all time. Like, but definitely of our time, of our generational time, greatest defensive player. I'm I'm comfortable of saying that. So they have him. They have my favorite linebacker, Bobby Wagner. B-Wags. Over there. Bobby Wags. And they still have a uh, number one cornerback in Jalen Ramsey out there. Um, so we took at the defensive matchup versus our offense, right? So what? So we mentioned like, having the same type of game plan. Um, this defense does show some kinks in their armor, too, against the run game and this different passes, you know. Um, you saw Debo Samuel kind of took Jalen Ramsey to school last week on um, – um, or this week on Monday Night Football. And so, like uh, – where do you see the opportunities are for all offense to not only just get field goals, right, but to get the touchdowns when needed outside the red zone or even inside the red zone? Where do you see the opportunities coming from at that aspect? Yeah, man, it's going to be the same. You have to uh, set up that run and get some play action going. It's going to be, I think, a really big game for CeeDee Lamb, who's shown that he's been, you know, very consistent and progressing game in and game out. Um, again, kudos to him for last game for showing up as well. So I think this one with the matchup against Jalen Ramsey, as we saw with saw with Debo Samuel, that you know there's some opportunity there, especially with the fact that they don't really have that same pass rush that they did last year. So there's more time to hold the ball. There's more time to actually run a play action fake and get the ball downfield, or to run some routes that take a little bit longer to develop. So I think you can see that quite a bit. Uh, the fact that we have Michael Gallup back too, I think it's going to be big for us as well. Um, he didn't have a ton of yards in this past game, but he actually caused quite a bit in terms of getting penalties. <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of something I, I forgot that he does very well because, again, he loves running deep. And for whatever reason, he had some issue with William Jackson, I guess, because <laughs> he's, getting, he's getting all the penalties on that dude. So <laughs> I think you can see that once again in this game. So where he's going to, you know, of course, you know, take the top off a little bit and have those one-on-one matchups between CD and whoever else is guarding him. Um, so we definitely shouldn't get pass happy, even though they do have a pretty good run defense. It is for, you know, the same old, same old. Got to try to pound, pound on the rock and hopefully open something up so we can get those one-on-one matchups and those shots down the field too. And as long as we, you know, continue to be consistent and take the points when we can take, when we can get them, I think we're going to have a very good chance of pulling this one out um, with the struggles that the Rams are currently going to do on offense. So I think with that kind of, you know, that coincides with our, our offense as well that it'll allow us to either have short fields or the fact that really moving the ball consistently and getting some points here or there will allow us to kind of pull away at some point in time in the game. See, dang it, man. You and Julie, man, I love working with y'all. It's because y'all transition kings, man. I swear, <laughs> y'all just make it so easy. But, yes, the offensive struggles of the Rams, right? I joked about Matthew Stafford loves throwing the ball to love throwing interceptions. But, hey, he does. Two, their, <laughs> <It's> line, <laughs> <laughs> their offensive line is not that good right now. Like, they have some yeah. injuries on the offensive line. And you saw uh, week one, Von Miller kind of had a game. Not kind of. He had a game against Joe Noteboom or John Noteboom, their left tackle. And it's like, so we look at it and say, like, hey, Micah might get back on the sack, on that sack game coming up. And even then, their interior line is built up by backups due to in some injuries. And so, um, and again, like, we still you know they still got Cooper Cup. Like the what he had the triple crown winner last season, so you still got to yeah. give him his respects. You know, um, they got Daryl Henderson back there and Cam Akers, who you know as a run like a run offense, they can run the ball. And if you look, if you go back in memory, the Rams beat us in the playoffs due to the run game, and they beat us in the regular season due to the run game. Like they ate us on the run on the ground. And so, mm-hmm. like, um, what 
aspect. So talk about the matchup as far as defense or defense versus their offense and what you're looking forward to as far as the game plan against that aspect of it. Yeah, man. I mean, they're definitely an offense that's struggling right now that surprised quite a few people. Um, a big thing that I think is going to play very heavy, heavy in our favorite is that they are have a very hard time running the ball. I think currently they're 30th in the league in terms of rushing yards. So that's kind of a game, like we said before, where we're not so strong at. But the fact that they kind of barely even get any yards per game plays kind of into our hands. Um, even when it comes to the passing game, you know, they, like I said, they do have Cooper Cup, who is one of the top receivers in the league. But they're still trying to find that number two. Um, again, they lost quite a bit of talent from the team from last year. And they really haven't had anyone emerge as, you know, the someone who can take some pressure off of Cooper Cup, who can go out there and actually be consistently, you know, catching the ball and dominate like you saw before. Um, so with that aspect, it makes it easier for us to game plan against them. It makes them kind of have to hold the ball a little bit longer so they can try to get the ball to Cooper Cup. And that plays into the hands of, of course, our defense. Or if you put the ball for play, we have quite a few ball hawks back there. And you can tell that, you know, Micah Parsons, I'm sure, wants to get back on the board in regards to getting some more sacks as he kind of tries to chase down this defense player of the year award. So, yeah. I think we match up very well. Um, I didn't see this. I didn't foresee this going into the season. Of course, we did our predictions, but how it's played out so far, unless they just, you know, everything's clicked for them in this game, they are probably going to have a hard time moving the ball on us, or they're going to have quite a few turnovers going into the game as well. Just because, you know, they haven't really found, I think, their new identity or really their go-to guys for the team. And I don't think this is going to be a good game for them to try to figure that out. You know, like we said, with the pass rest and the strong pass even to going against. So I think as long as we can put some pressure on them with our offense, just kind of at least consistently moving the ball here or there and getting the points again uh, when we can and kind of trying to build at least slowly but surely, that will force them into actually completely banning the run and then going straight to the pass. And at that point in time, I think, like we said, that's going to be a win for us for the defense for sure if it is where they're throwing the ball, you know, 40 to 50 times during that game. Yeah, man. Um like, if you send three people to try to block Michael Parsons, man, D-Law's going to get you, or Doris Armstrong going to get you. Neville Gallimore's going to get you, man, so I'm happy about that. Uh, well, I think Trayvon's going to do this game. I don't think he's going to shadow Cooper Cup because that's not – that's not. he hasn't shown – or they haven't asked him to do that. I believe he can. They just haven't asked him. I don't think he will shadow Cooper Cup this game. Um, but I think he's going to try to show Jalen Ramsey something. You know what I mean? You're like, Jalen Ramsey's the top – that his like that top corner beforehand, like Daryl Reeves was the top corner. Then it was Jalen Ramsey, arguably. And then now like Trayvon Diggs is trying to get that title. So I believe he's mm-hmm. going to try to show out um, for Jalen, um, Jalen Ramsey. And talk about like the options for the Rams, right? They brought in the Allen Robinson from the, from the bears to be that number two, but the dude only has like seven receptions on the season. So like, when you look at it, it's like, and there, there's that other guy, um, I guess he's a rookie, some random guy who has, who's our second leading receiver as far as receptions in the yards. Uh, it's like, it's almost Skoronic. Skoronic. Yeah. That's his name. That's mm-hmm. his name. Uh, it's like, man, it's like, whew, I don't know what, like, like you said, the Rams are looking for an ident- identity right now. It's really, it is kind of shocking for me to say that about Sean McVay, you know, because I did, I definitely gave Sean McVay his flowers last season about being one of the best coaches in the league. But even now, like seeing his team going through the struggle is kind of shocking. But I feel like, you know, Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the league. So he may get it, like he may get it done towards the end of the season. But right now, let's take advantage of it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like, so um, we look at the records, the cap are like our predictions, like we had this 
week predicted as a loss throughout, like throughout the, across the board. Um, we may, I'm hoping, I feel like we all could be wrong. And like, you know, this is a, this will, the Cowboys are a five point underdogs against this game. Mike McCarthy says, Hey, I, we're not underdogs against nobody. Um, I was like, that was pretty bold from my, my McCarthy guys. He got a little bit more bolder this year, man. I'm, I'm really liking Big Mike this year, man. I was like, all right, Mike. So yeah, like we, I'm hoping we're all wrong this week. And, uh, the Cowboys go four and one, going against Philly next, the week following. Um, yeah. So like this game is, it's going to be, be big on the offense, man, to, to try to get something going early on. It I think if you get like bought down early, something. Yeah. If cause we start getting them short fields for their offense, then, you know, it, probably it's not going to matter how good our defense is at some point in time. They're going to break through if it is where they're getting, you know, from like our 40 or from the 50 time and time again. So not even just for scoring points, but just the fact that they can push them back or pin them back. If we have to punt it or something, please get some yardage when we're on offense. I think it's going to be big time and time again for each of our drives. Because um, like you said, Sean McVay is a very good coach, um, even though he's lost a lot of talent on the team. You still don't want to, you know, bet against them in terms of kind of trying to scheme something together, at least for one game to get them going, because they're definitely, you know, hungry for something to turn the season around oh, yeah. for them because everybody's dogging them right now. So they want to kind of make a statement out there. And what better way than against America's team, you know, on one of the one of the uh, premier games on Sunday. So I think both teams going into it see that there's something that, that they can um you know, achieve for the long term for their season. For the Cowboys, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, Dak's been out, and now we got to four wins without him, so we're in a good spot going forward into a big matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams are like, okay, well, our season's kind of, you know, going teetering a little bit, so we can kind of get it turned around. This could lead to maybe go off a, a run of our own to get back into the thick of things for, you know, getting a pretty decent seed for the playoffs. So yep. I feel both teams going into it. I think we're definitely really fired up for this game. Um but again, I think just as long as the offense can at least, you know, continue stepping up, they have been progressing going forward. And our receiving core, which is getting healthier and healthier by the week, if they continue to show out, then yeah, I think we have, you know, more than a good chance of pulling out this game. Yeah, man. Um, and so we're going to go into a conversation that I've tried to avoid uh, for four weeks, uh, three weeks. It seems, it seems so um, tough for you, Ed. Mainly, like I have to. mainly because I don't want, I did not want to feed into feed the, the beast, man. But you right. The beast is growing for some odd reason. Like I hate the fact that it's, this beast is growing. It, but it's, it's not just odd. It's, <laughs> no, it's not odd. But it's like it's just a horrible conversation to have. Only because Cowboy Nation, <laughs> a lot of Cowboy Nation is like the reason why Stephen A. Smith hates us. But um, QB controversy. Mm-hmm. If <laughs> I, I don't even know how to do this, you know, if Cooper Rush goes five and goes five and zero oh as a starting QB for the Dallas Cowboys, which results in four and zero, oh, and result for the Cowboys going four and one after this week being the Rams, uh-huh. is there a true QB controversy between him and Dak? If Dak is ready to come back week six against the Eagles. I'm going to say, because I'm not, we'll, we'll probably have to have the conversation again if Dak doesn't play week six against the Eagles. But if Dak is, who are you bringing out there? If Con- <laughs> Connor Cooper. Rush. Cooper. Cooper Rush. Say his Cooper name. Rush, thank you. Learn it. <laughs> I got to be your future starting quarterback, bro. You. Oh, God. He might be, he might, <laughs> he might be getting, some... he might be getting, he might be getting 200 mil pretty soon, bro. You know what so, I'm saying? All right, so well, Lamar wanted 200 con- mil. Give Cooper 200 mil, fully guaranteed. That's a white oh, boy you can trust. 
I ain't gonna lie, because of his color, he may be able to get that. But anyway, <laughs> if Cooper Rush, don't cancel us, Derek. Um, but if Cooper Rush, if Derek Cooper saying capitalism trumps all, it doesn't matter what color you are. He's like, you ain't never getting that from me. If Cooper Rush beats the Rams and Dak is able to play against the Eagles, is there a QB controversy between Dak and Cooper Rush in your eyes? No, not yet. The only way I can see a, con- a true controversy coming up. Well, is if we beat the Rams, then he's for sure going to start against the Eagles. Now, if he beats the Eagles, hey, man, it's open season at that point in time. Wait, so if Dak is healthy enough to play against the Eagles, you're still playing Cooper? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. The team's been on fire. If he beats the Eagles, then it's going to be open season to say, oh, who's going to take it? You want to get down on this, D? I really I feel like that is a question. I have a question just because I feel like Ed is, is is scared of this topic, so I'm gonna try to help him through this a little bit. Which is, do you think that there should? Do you think that he should start against the Eagles if he beats the Rams, or do you think that they will, or both? I think that's what I think. Because thank you, Derek. Your, your answer is a little unclear on if you believe that or if you think that's what will happen, or both. I'll say I'll say it's both. Two reasons because if he's on a hot streak and Dax come back off an of injury, then yeah, go ahead and see if he can keep it going and get this win. And then also, if Dax coming back from an injury, you want him to play against arguably the best team in the NFL for his first game back? I would say no. Let him get some okay, more rest. Quick. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Quick follow-up question, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let Ed get back to doing his job. So no, you're good. <laughs> is this is this a is this a thing for the Eagles and kind of specific to this game, or do you think that until he the team starts to kind of I don't know decline or lose or or whatever, do you think you do you think you start Cooper Rush until like they come off the hot streak, or do you or is this just kind of weaning back Dak back through injury? Like how uh, how deep does this controversy extend for you? It, it's going to be parallel because if he just keeps winning games, there's no reason to take him out. Unless he's winning game, unless we're winning in spite of him, then it's like okay, we'll get Dak back in there because you know he's throwing like five picks or whatever, and we're still winning somehow. Or he's you know I mean, throwing fifty times but getting a hundred yards in the game. But if he's still having his stats he's getting right now, which are not spectacular, but are definitely game manager ish, and still the offense is still running as it is, and we're winning these games, then why would you try to disrupt that if you're still winning on this game? If you're going on a winning streak, Ed, and you won like five, six, seven, eight games in a row. You want to then remove something and change it up, keep it going, and then you always the have a guy, yeah. But is he better just in talent wise or better for this team? That's the question that, that you have to ask. Yes, Dak is better for this team. Like I would so if, so if Cooper yes. Rush has you winning ten games in a row, you then still assume that Dak is better for the team. Yes. Why? Who's the better quarterback, Daniel? Who's the better quarterback? Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush? Dak Prescott. Who's but who's better, better for the team? Dak Prescott, do you actually absolutely believe that Cooper Rush is better for this team? Say that with confidence. Not for the show. Say that for confidence. Do you you believe that Cooper Rush is a better quarterback for this team? I'm saying for confidence. If he beats the Rams and beats the Eagles, then at that point in time, he's better for the team. <laughs> you're trying to have a debate for the show, which is why I love you. But you're Ed, trying no, to give Ed, context, Ed, but Ed, you don't Ed, believe Ed, that. Ed, it's really simple, Ed, because for some reason, it's not. You, have to under, you have to understand that the main goal is what? To get to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, right? So who has so the better chance? So, so it's, it's not like if it's, it's not if it's not like Cooper Rush is starting a few more games that Dak all of a sudden is not on our team anymore. So if he's on a hot streak, let him run out the hot streak while Dak gets healthy, and if he stumbles somewhere, get Dak back in, and you're good to go. 
if he never stumbles, you've won the Super Bowl, so it's win-win. I don't get what the issue is. Like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, God, Daniel. Oh, God. Anyway, hold on. Now, where the controversy comes from, Ed, is if, if he starts losing and they still don't put that back in, then it's like, okay, well, what are we doing? But if he no, never loses – the controversy comes in is if when Dak is healthy and Dak's not in, then yes, the controversy comes in because one, Dak is $140 million worth of a quarterback that you have sitting on the bench, not so playing what? fully healthy. Hey, so if, you win, so if, you, if you win a Super Bowl with $140 million on the bench, how do you feel as an owner? How do you feel as a fan? Pretty damn good. Uh, so, so you're putting us in a situation where the San Francisco 49ers were in last year, where they had Jimmy Garoppolo and had Trey Lance sitting on the bench, and then Trey Lance comes out and plays this, ex- this season and gets hurt type of thing. But anyway, that's the situation you're putting us in. But go going back to what your point is, it's saying we're winning in spite of – if we're winning in spite of Cooper Rush. I can make the argument that we are winning in spite of Cooper Rush because of we'll the make defense. the argument then because I don't yes, see it because so far. Of our de- we're winning these games because of our defense. Simple, so how, simple how, is Cooper, how is Cooper Rush holding back the team to where the defense has to do something extra to win scoring. the game for him? We're not putting TDs up. We're putting up field goals. Simple as that. We're not putting if TDs he, up. Could Dak Prescott against the, the – I was calling the, the Indian term. Uh, Dak Prescott against the Commanders, against the Giants, puts up 40 points because we saw it last season. Dak Prescott that was last season. That was last season. Hold on. I'm still going through. Last season against I'm Tampa Bay. That's what we have. What he do last we season against, against Tampa, Tampa Bay? Bay last season. We struggled against Tampa Bay last season, and we both contributed to the game plan. Did we struggle on so offense? Ed? But but we contributed to the game plan of the offense, so you can't. No, so Did don't we struggle on turn, offense? Don't turn it on it. Don't it's turn not, it on it's it just, right it's now. It's just information. That's all it is. And, but also, you're getting Dak too Prescott, emotional you know, about it, bro. No, nah, because you're saying that Cooper Rush is going to be the starter over Dak Prescott. I absolutely don't I believe, didn't say believe that. that. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't beat the Rams. He hasn't been, it, stuff hasn't happened yet, Ed. I'm saying if stuff does happen, then you would just let him ride out the hot streak. Nah, but you if you're asking me today, then yes, Dak Prescott. But if he keeps winning games, then you let him ride the hot streak. It doesn't matter who makes what as long as you're winning the games. That's the whole point of Playing the games just to win them. Hold on, hold on. I'm just so I'm going on the fact, and I and I'm going to say it till I'm blue in the face. We're winning these games because of the defense. The defense has held 19, 16, 13, 10 points. Simple static stat. Simple fact as that. And you said it so yourself. Our offense comp- disappears in the middle of the game. Yeah. Dak Prescott keeps the offense in consistent basis. They simply because not, tr- not true. Simply because on the deep pass, he can hit those <laughs> guys and lead them in the right position. You That's have seen it last time. season. Where, we saw that, him disappear last season sometimes. That's not true. It's not. You know it. Okay. You know it. Right. There was but, a stretch of games to where the offense just disappeared for a bit, and then he came back. But that, and then, all right, but the throwing capacity of Dak Prescott is, has a higher ceiling, and it is higher currently than the throwing capacity of Cooper Rush. Yes, that's, so that's, not, that's not disputed. In a situation where we have to go out in a shootout, shootout, potentially against the Eagles, could be a potential shootout or a potential where the deep where we need one score to win the game, Dak Prescott gets you that score to win the game and not Cooper Rush because it would have to be a passing situation and Dak Prescott gets you that situation and gets you that win. We saw it against the New England Patriots last season in the in the overtime game. We saw it in the shootouts we had the season last like we seen that Dak Prescott pushed the offense in the better situation to be successful. And I still stand by the fact that 40 points against the Giants and the Commanders these past two weeks. 40 points. Guaranteed. You can't say that I without him actually the playing play. the games, man. 
But I, I know you can't. I, but I could go off the evidence of the last season's film, which is all I got for Dak Prescott. You can't. Like, I, because he's, why he's struggling not use the Denver Broncos. I can't, use film, with that? I can't use film from no, last you, season against, you can't, you can't, against you the Commanders the, and the you Giants. Have to use the entirety of the season, man. No, I you have to use the film the, against the Giants and the Commanders. And guess who disappeared? But back to the, the Denver Broncos. He played hurt, and we both agreed he should not have played hurt. So, but he played hurt. So, if he's hurt, then yes, he's no, hurt. He's he hurt right now, be. man. He's hurt right now. I know, but, but the comp, the controversy he messed up his thumb. He's a quarterback. He has to the throw. The controversy with his hand. is with a fully healthy, with Dak Prescott being healthy. That's the. I, that's the asterisk. You're like ignoring the fact with me that saying that that press got not healthy. I feel like you're saying that you're like your, your thing is saying. Hold on, there. You're saying if the, if Dak Prescott is still getting healthy in these games, yes, I hear you. Let Cooper Rush play. I said that I want to see Dak against the Detroit Lions, where we have two warm up games before the bye week for Dak to get fully healthy. That's where I want to see Dak at. But if Dak is fully healthy and ready to go against against the Eagles or Cooper over Cooper Rush, if they are confident enough to put Dak out, because I also said this, Dak Prescott gives us the best best opportunity to beat the Eagles, not Cooper Rush. And I've said it, and I still stand by it. I still stand by it, healthy or not. If Dak's not healthy, don't put him against the Eagles because I don't want to see that game. If he's healthy. Put him against the Eagles because I'd rather because we have a better chance of winning that game. But if he's not a hundred percent, let me say, if he's not a hundred percent, now it's a hundred percent, hundred percent. If he's, he's not, not for, he's not gonna be percent for the rest of the season, so he's right, not coming so back. Eighty percent. So would you have a would you rather have an eighty percent Dad Prescott over a hundred percent Cooper Rush? Are we talking? Answer about the question. A, no, no. Answer the I, question. I know, I'm, would you rather you. Are, you, are, you talking, are you talking about? Are you talking about in a vacuum? Just in a vacuum, like nothing about the season going on. Just quarterback on quarterback, right? Is what you're asking me. Quarterback on quarterback. Quarterback on quarterback. Then, then 80% then Dak Prescott over 100% Cooper Rush. Then it's Dak Prescott, but unfortunately right. we play a team game. Oh God, Daniel! All right, Derek, we go, do. Your, come, come on, Derek. Wait, wait. Come on, Derek. Okay. Put your comment okay. in here. Okay, Daniel. Because oh, this I want to argue with you, Daniel. Wait, 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 wait. I'm being pretty chill on this one, man. I can help. I can help because I think what's frustrating you and what's funny to Daniel is I don't think you're really arguing the point that he made. You're kind of salty about the point in general. Because you believe in Dak, which I get. To be to be clear, I agree with you in general. I think when your best player gets healthy, you put your best player back in no matter what. I do see Daniel's argument, but I don't agree with it. But you need to address his argument, which is you his let argument Cooper, makes no sense. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> his argument is you let Cooper Rush play out the side. So basically, what you you're what you're saying is like is what I'm saying, but what Daniel is saying is eventually either Cooper Rush will win you the Super Bowl or he will put you in a position where Dak has to come back in because Cooper Rush has sucked. You're acting like Daniel is saying that Cooper Rush is your indefinite starting quarterback forever and is better than Dak Prescott. And that's not what he's saying. So while I disagree disagree with his point in practice, which is useless for for y'all's show, you have to address what he's saying and you're not really doing that. You're just being like, Dak's better, which he's already said. He already has said Dak is bad. But I've given you that like 50 times. <laughs> but but he, he, he's basically saying you play Cooper until the wheels fall off, which in this scenario I don't think is like the worst thing because if the wheels fall off, you're going to be like, what, right. five and two, six and two, whatever. So, and you put Dak so back two, 
All right. So to that point, all right. So Daniel playing Cooper rush to the wheels fall off. When we talked about this last week, you mentioned the fact like, Hey, these are games that the Cowboys may not want to drop due to the fact that we may be competing for a playoff spot and how mm. tight the NFC East, the NFC East will be and how tight the NFC will be. So if you're riding the tide of Cooper rush, right? If you're riding the streak, why risk the positioning if you have a healthy, if you have an 80% Dak Prescott? Because why are you willing to ride the streak? Why are you willing to ride the streak and risk the potential of losing these two, these, this, this next game against the Eagles because you don't want to drop, because based off the point you've made last week. Because if he, if he beats the Rams, then basically we're already ahead of what we thought we would be in terms of the season. So if you drop against the Eagles, we're not behind anywhere. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, yes, if he beats the Rams, give him a shot against the Eagles, and if you drop that game, we're still out ahead. And if you drop the game and play bad, then Dak Prescott is back and we're good to go. And now he's going against the Lions and the Bears and then the bye week, and we're good to go. We're back on track. So I'm saying there's no really downside to it because Dak needs all the time to rest. He's trying to come back early anyways. And if your court, the backup quarterback is doing well enough and the team is responding to him and they're playing at a high level – then see what they can do, and at some point in time, either it's going to prove out to where, hey, he's a backup. Get him onto the bench. He's a backup. Or, hey, this dude's playing really well this season. He's having a freaking um, – what's his face from the Eagles? Nick Foles type of season where he's just on fire for some reason, and he's making a run against, but, he's making a run to the season. But it's a difference between Nick Foles and the situation. The injury situation is different between Nick Foles – and Carson Wentz than it was with Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. Carson Wentz is out for the season, so they have to mm-hmm. rely on Nick Foles. Like, Dak Prescott's not out for the season, so we don't have to rely on Cooper Rush for the entire season. Right, we don't so have like to. But I, see, I, see your, I see your comparison of it, but it's not really a real comparison, I feel, that could validate the argument. Now, some people, the it's, argument it's the, that people are bringing it's up. It's pretty much the same, Ed, because Nick Foles got uh, hot and he won the Super Bowl and he was but he had after to, then. But he had to stay hot. He had to. Like, who he else, didn't have to stay hot. He could, he could have reverted to, to being Nick Foles and this, that was it. He didn't have to play good. It would have been, okay, been a bad but season the Eagles, for the Eagles. had no one else to rely on at that situation. They didn't have Carson Wentz coming back. So they had to invest everything into Nick Foles. So they had Nick Foles only to rely on on that situation. But what do you mean invest into him? Like, what do you mean invest? Like, they had to put – like, they, he was their only quarterback. Like, there was nobody else behind him coming up to be able to challenge him for that starting role because Carson was out for the season. Yes, but I'm saying so, if he's the one that's healthy, then, yes, you game plan for him to see if he can be productive. Right. So, and he was, and they, they, they rolled that all the way to the Super Bowl. The same thing for no, Cooper. They had no choice. No, because it was I'm working. Saying. Because it was working. If it wasn't they had working, no choice. They, no, Ed, because it was working. If it wasn't working with Nick Foles, they either would they would have put it on the season or tried to find someone else to replace him. Right, they would have put it on the season. <laughs> I feel <laughs> they would have right. put it so on the season. So for the for the Cowboys, we have two quarterbacks. If one of them's hot right now, because you game plan for what he can do, and if he's leading your team to wins, and it's not to where they're winning again in spite of him. When I say in spite of him, that means he's playing terribly, and we're having to overcome to win these games. That's not what's going on. He's basically in the game manager role right now and he's doing very well in that he's making the throws when he has to make them you're saying he's not scoring any touchdowns but when we need to respond after someone scores he usually drives down and gets a touchdown or in the fourth quarter he gets that one touchdown to give us the lead and to win the game so even though he's not a flashy quarterback he's definitely not going to be one of the top quarterbacks in the league 
he's showing that for what this team is right now, running the ball and playing really good defense, he can make those plays that you need to make to win the game. So why not let him keep doing that in the Rams? And if he wins that in the Eagles, and if he wins that, then give him another shot to keep going. And all the while, your $140 million quarterback is getting healthier and healthier and healthier. And if you don't need him for the season because he's playing so well, Cooper rushes and winning all these games, then that's a good problem to have to me, at least for one season. Now, next season, that's going to be who knows. But you played to win for this season, man. That's all you can do for the NFL is, is all about one season and trying to win the Super Bowl. I mean, so in your scenario, the, the Cowboys should have put Dak on the injury, on the IR for the, in that aspect. But, like, because Dak didn't go on the IR, you don't, you don't ride the streak because your $140 million quarterback and your better quarterback is at 80% against, like, again, I said I won him against the Lions. So, like, I, okay, right. But the face for the argument base, if he's 80% against the Eagles, you don't have him sit because he gives you the best shot to beat the Eagles. Go ahead, Derek. Okay, all right. Because y'all are, I mean, I think I've I bridged the gap a little bit. Peace in our time. Peace in our time. But I, 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 I'm cute. No, no. But I just refuse to listen to reason. Well, but it's less angry now. So it's like we're, we're making strides. He, but he, I do he have a question for out, you. That's why. <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> I have a question for you, Pete. This is a hypothetical. So you're going to have to kind of go with me here. Let's I ain't going to lie. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Let's work, bro. That Cooper Rush is, is playing, you know, up and down. He's kind of fluctuating between game manager mode. And, you know, sometimes y'all are winning in spite of him because of the defense, but y'all don't lose another game until the playoffs. Dak in that time, but medically cleared. They say he's 100% healthy to go. One game for your season, wild card round, divisional round, whatever. Even if it's like the Super Bowl, the they say he's healthy to go. Cooper Rush has been up and down. He's not been, he's not been like Tom Brady in 01, but he's also not been like – super like benchable and so he's kept the job right are you trusting mm-hmm. are you going to play the higher leverage player the player who can make more throws as you've even said or are you going to go with cooper rush just because the team has continued to win um so kind of not not quite like to the level where you're like you know you're in spite of him but he's not necessarily pl- playing high leverage quarterback you know so what i mean? guess i'll just, yeah just to clarify though i guess you can since you're playing pretend are we yeah. going to the season with a high seed, or are we kind of barely get into the playoffs, like wild card type of thing? No, no, y'all are still like it's kind of like your scenario, kind of playing out in like it's kind of optimal form, but just like slightly suboptimal, where he plays well enough to where y'all win the rest of your games, but he's mm-hmm. but some of the games, you know, the defense is like getting the picks, like some of the games, the defense is clearly bailing him out. He's not throwing like a ton of picks, but he's also not throwing a ton of touchdowns, so it's clear. In my opinion, it's kind of clear that Dak is the better quarterback, like the but he's not the lost the game out. yet, per se. Games like the I mean, Cincinnati at that point, Bengals you got to so you you go Cooper Rush. If, you, if he was your quarterback for the entire season at that point, because that's what would have happened, and he still got you to the playoffs, you got to do what got you there and stick with Cooper Rush. Because at that point, you really don't know what Dak's going to be for this season. Because all you have is the one game when he was healthy, and he didn't play too well. And at this point... The defense is still playing well, and I guess the offense is still looking efficient. Then at that point, you got to ride it out because it's been so long, and that's the issue. Again, if he keeps winning these games, even if he isn't completely terrible, but he's still leading his team to wins, then there's something for that as well. Because you remember when Dak Prescott took over Tony Romo, 
they won all pure, pretty wins, but oh, you got them. That reminds me. You, that reminds me. Oh, Were you in favor yeah. of not putting Tony Romo back in that season? Because I know that, that, was, my, was, a hu- that, that was, was a huge debate. I was going to ask that earlier, and I kind of forgot. That was my, so that that was my next in. question. Oh, okay. that was my well, next I'll, question. I'll shut yeah. up and listen. <laughs> yeah, I was. You, so you're, Again, you, have, you had to go so, with the hot hand. Which is so. And again, so the Dak Prescott Tony Romo, which I feel like is still a different situation because the age of Tony Romo and the the reoccurrence of Tony Romo's injuries, and we were obviously transitioning in the start a transition out of Tony Romo, which is part mm-hmm. of the reason why I say stick stick with Dak because hey, he's clearly going to be your next guy. Cooper Rush hasn't proven. Cooper Rush is not going to be our next guy. Uh, like it depends. So here's an so, and and then last uh, probably probably not gonna be the last question because I feel like you're gonna say something else to it. So um, in a, <laughs> you won't you won't leave it alone. <laughs> Dang it! In, you're right though. I probably in, will say something. <laughs> in a in a trade scenario, right? Here's uh, how I believe why Dak Prescott, even if the streak is still going on, in a trade scenario for both Cooper Rush for a Cooper Rush or a Dak Prescott. The haul you get for a Dak Prescott is two first rounds at least. Two sec is like a Russell Wilson type of haul. The haul you get for a Cooper Rush is a Amari Cooper haul. The fifth round, if that. So this is for, why. For a starting quarterback, potentially? For a backup, because he's a backup quarterback. And he's, hey, he's be, he's in the top 32 quarterbacks. I'm definitely giving you that for this season. He's a top 32 quarterback in the NFL right now. He's not a top 20. Wait, so you're saying we trade him like right now or we trade him at the end of the season? No, if if we trade him at the end of the season or right now, you're not getting a big you're not getting it as big as a haul as you, if you trade Dak Prescott. I guarantee so you that. If, you're not getting if, the first round the, pick. If at the end of the season he ends up picks. winning the Super Bowl, you don't think you we can get more than a fifth round pick for him? But see in in I have to play around with the hypothetical of us winning the Super Bowl with Cooper Rush, even at that aspect. If he leads us to the playoffs. If he gets to the playoffs, you probably get a fourth round, if that. Because again, the resume the resume for Cooper Rush is smaller, and the and the film on Cooper, Cooper Rush doesn't prove as much as the the film of Cooper Rush and Dak. If I had those scale, do you remember the Dak Jimmy Garoppolo guy? Here what what they, what'd they get for him when they traded him? When the, when the Patriots traded him, what they get for him? What was his resume? I don't remember what they got from him. So like, you don't have to tell me that. So I think it was like a, if not a first, I think, uh, they definitely got. I think they definitely got like a second round pick. I think for that on there, Jimmy G trade. So I'm just Here saying it's, it's it's not like we haven't seen this before. A quarterback either gets hot or has potential, and it's a, yeah, keep, it's a quarterback keep, hungry league, man. Keep filling, keep filling the gap, Daniel, because I'm looking. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jimmy Grappolo, Forty Nineers in exchange. He got a second round pick. He was a second round pick in 2018. Yes, All right. Well, I mean, it's happened. I, that's how that's how the league is, man. Freaking Matt Flynn. It, Matt freaking Flynn got paid buku dollars <laughs> for doing really nothing. <laughs> and he basically robbed the league. But shout out to him, though, man, getting the money. <laughs> basically, and then didn't so even I'm start. Saying, <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Even start. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's 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 not out the realm for now. I do believe that the Joneses, for all they've been saying, they do believe that. Also, the Fort didn't have a quarterback, quarterback going quarterback. into that. Fort Niners didn't have a quarterback. I think they lost. Didn't they lose Colin Kaepernick at that time? Uh, when they made so. that trade, yeah, they yeah, lost. I mean, so they, they didn't have a start. 
That's they what they're going to pay for. Yeah. So you they paid, paid, you gotta find a quarterback a needy team. Yeah. Depends on what yeah, the market so is, but a lot of times it's definitely going to be a lot more in the fifth round if he loses the playoffs, man. Now, do I I'm think that he goes to the I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't think Daniel could convince me of that because I was thinking of, like, Matt Ryan, like, all the veterans who didn't really get those kind of picks. But then he found an analogous situation, and he's 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 right. I got to give it to him. Yeah. He's right about the JV. That's an analogous – that's a possible analogous situation. It's not analogous right now, but under his scenario, it's analogous. I don't know. I had, to, I had to help him out with this point because he didn't know the exact trade. But, you know, I was really hoping it was – Bro, I said either a first or a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was like <laughs> – I was pretty hey, close. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not conceding this argument anyway. Anyway, so, <laughs> but, hey, I'm glad we finally talked about it, even though it was something I was trying to avoid because I don't, boy, like, boy, I don't think uh, – Traumatizing, man. About my God. It is traumatizing. Cause it one, helps you, Ed. I truly believe the ownership also thinks nah. Dak is the better quarterback, the quarterback for the future. They're just like, hey, he's hurt. Let's get him healthy and let's ride out and see what we can get for, for Cooper Rush. And yeah, I think and if he does do well and we go to the playoffs or Dak comes back, then they probably are going to trade Cooper Rush for maybe like a third-round pick or whatever to get something for well, him. Well, it sucks. Cooper Rush is only on a one-year contract. Remember, he's a practice squad call-up. And so, That's true. So like, Franchise like, hey, we're trade him. <laughs> if he's a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, you franchise that man and trade him all. <laughs> Just in case. Oh, man. All right. That was fun. Um, I was going to try to the fit madness. in another topic, but, uh, I think we're going to have to close it off here and, uh, save the topic for the future day. Daniel's out here kind of, that was a good topic to close off of. So Daniel, <laughs> <laughs> say goodbye to the people. I'm, I'm hold, hold on. Wait, don't say, yeah, say goodbye to the people. <laughs> All right. You know what it is? You can't find me anywhere <laughs> except here on the Speaking for Sport Network and, of course, on the Speaking for Sport podcast where we break it down one topic at a time. You can find myself, D.R. Lewis, not the third, and, of course, the man himself, T. Huff, that's being poppy, Terrell Huff. But, again, another good week for us, another good discussion on the podcast, and another big game coming up. So hopefully we have some more good announcements for you coming up. Much love. Until next time, y'all. Derek, you know, you spoke – at opportune times, so thank you for speaking when necessary. You use up your time, you, you so may, you get no sign off. You may you may say goodbye to the people. <laughs> what? Peace in our time. Peace in our time. That's all I say. Mm. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Peace in our time. Uh, you can find me, of course, on Instagram and Twitter, Dr. Lewis, not third, and on the Speaking for Sport Network, featuring Speaking for Sport with Daniel Davidson. <laughs> and uh, wait, I, I'm just saying all the things he said. Never mind. All right, I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> Shameless plug, shameless. <laughs> shameless. Anyway, y'all, it's your boy Ed White, aka Trey Blanco, with Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. You can find yes, me sir. on Twitter, Trey underscore Blanco, the real Trey Blanco. As always, y'all, be blessed, be peace, be love. We out. Peace.